This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dale, what are you reading? Uh, this baby book. Baby-wise. Oh. Getting some good information. Oh, good, good. Everybody says you got to read a lot of books. That's true. I mean, you've been off for a month with a baby. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of great information from people, but I also got a, a lot of books to yeah. read. I, bet. I got a new book myself. It's called Racing to the Finish. It's not out yet. It comes out in September. I've heard about it. Yeah, your wife sent me a copy because you would never bring me one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not busy or anything. Yeah, you got a few things going. <clears throat> yeah. Wednesdale's back, and someone's wearing shorts. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Oak Table here in Charlotte. The return of Wednesdays with Dale Jr. That's right, it's Wednesday. I'm Rutledge Wood alongside NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett and the returning Dale Earnhardt Jr. who is wearing shorts because you can't see if you're wearing pants under this table. (laughs) Not a requirement. Yeah, I'm sorry. You didn't know we were going to do that. I would have told you to wear pants. No, I'm, I'm still good with shorts. Are you are you not riding your bike in the sun? Because it's alarming. <laughs> I just it's, it was almost ultraviolet. That was just a real bad filter. Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, was guys, was. come on, don't let's not filter my man like that. That's crazy. Y'all could have helped me out. I know. Hey, you've had a, basically a month. You've, you've not been here. Anything new? What have you been doing? Actually, yeah, there's a lot of new things. I have a little girl, and we've been. Uh, she's about a, a little bit over a month, and we've been. Take care of her, and so thanks to NBC for giving me some time off, and uh, they're back home right now watching. So oh, look at sweet Isla Rose. Isla Rose, yeah. A lot of people were, uh, you know, confused on how to pronounce her name, oh, and I you? told Amy that when she says this is the name, I said, all right, you know, we're gonna have to correct a lot of people, but so that's been fun. I, I bet it is. It's a good start. How would you? How do you feel like Amy would would grade you thus far a month into dadhood here? Um, so she's watching at home. So I'll be honest because she, uh, I have changed. I've changed a lot of diapers, and um, I have a real good knack of try, of getting her to calm down. Oh. So when she's upset, I, I don't. You know, I got this swing motion and and just sing. you got to move. I He's got to move. You got to sing to him. Mm-hmm. And you gave me some great information. Uh, uh, during Amy's pregnancy, was to talk to Amy's belly so that when Isla come, you know, when I was born, she's she recognized my voice. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know if you were doing that on purpose or as a joke, but I <laughs> so I would talk to Amy's belly. No, of course I meant that on okay. purpose. Yeah, so I talked to Amy's belly or sing to her, and uh, so when she come when she was here and born, it seemed like she recognizes my voice when I talk, and I would say the same things to her. One, I'd say, Hey, little girl, what you doing? Hey. You know, how you do, so I, I repeat those things to her when she's upset, and it seems to work. I don't know. It seems to calm her down. That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Anything. She sleeps well, so she does. Not too many. Yeah, she's sleeping long about, nights. Yeah, she's sleeping about four hours at a time between feeds, and she's pretty easy to put back down. It's yeah. been a real good time so far. We're one month in. Anything, you know, that could change, but so far she's been real easy. Do you remember that one time that Dale said I gave him advice on something and it worked? 
<laughs> How about that? Right? Let's write that down. Yeah. Hey, but, hey, if you got a question for Dale Jr., uh, this is a great time. We'd love to answer your questions. Please go to Twitter. Use the hashtag Wednesdale. You take the Y off of Wednesday and add an L-E. So yeah. that's where we get Wednesday hey, from. Hey, before you get started, yeah. Jerry, before you get started, I picked up this pen. I saw somebody's name on I thought for sure it was your own Sharpie with mm. yours. But no, this is Marty Snyder. Do you have your own Sharpie, too? That no. says Marty Snyder. He's no, got his own Sharpie. Did you ever get your own? No, I was actually sponsored by Sharpie one time and wow. did not ever you get didn't my have your own name? signature pen. I guess we weren't big time enough. You know? This must be like from the not 90s. as big as Marty Snyder anyway. <laughs> it's amazing this thing still works after from, all these years. From the 90s. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's get started with some of the most exciting things going on in NASCAR. I mean, first off, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. have now combined to win 11 of 14 races this season. Yeah, they've won 19 out of 24 going back to the beginning of the chase last year, and that's just... You know, dominant. It's crazy. But as NASCAR heads to Michigan, the focus is also on Kyle Larson and his chance to score a fourth consecutive win in the Irish Hills. And we've also been getting ready for NASCAR on NBC's season debut at Chicagoland. We are just two races away, gentlemen. And we got race at week race at Michigan this weekend. Place with some memorable moments for you, Dale. Uh, what was it about that track? that really made that such a good spot for you, you think? Uh, we had a real good package for the repave. So we had good success at Pocono, and uh, they had recently repaved Michigan as well, and, and our car was really working at the, at the recent repave. So that was probably um, how we ran so well in, in 2012 or so. But, um, I, you know, it's just a real fun, easy, simple track. It's not got any real tricks. There's no crazy bumps or anything to sort of get your car through. It's, per, you know, it's wide, so you can move around and find places where your sure. car works. I think that if I, you know, if, if I can be honest, I think that I was always real good at, at being able to move around and find where speed is on the track, and not really, um, you know, forcing myself to to make the car work in one particular groove all day. I could, you know, run the fence or run sure. the apron, whatever, to get the car to work. And uh, Michigan's a real wide track and allows you to move around and find speed. It helped you break some windless streaks, it too. Did. Yeah, which was, uh, you know, it's no fun being on those long <laughs> windless streaks because everybody asks you, like, when are you going to win again? All your friends are asking you when you're going to win again. They're having to put up with everybody at work, giving them crap. All your fans are putting up, <laughs> putting up with a lot of stuff, too. Um, I wonder, though, for Michigan, like, Dale, did you, when you guys would go there, would you feel that pressure of like, man, the the big three were there when you were when you were in the car? Like yeah. that was a weekend that was for a lot of them more important than really yeah. any other weekend. Yeah. Did you feel that? I think there was always extra pressure because you you know, I mean, there was such a, a battle between the manufacturers uh, for so many years. I, I mean, it still is today, but it was huge uh, back in the the eighties and nineties and and early two thousand. I mean, you know, they came there. You know, the top executives came. You knew they were going to be there. I mean, when I was driving a Ford, I knew Edsel Ford was going to show up there. You know, and it was, you know, you wanted him to be in victory lane. So there was added pressure. You wanted to, But I'm like, Junior, I love the racetrack simply because, and I don't think it's widened quite back out quite as much now. You're not up against the wall yet. It'll eventually get there. Sure. But it was so much fun. I used to tell people, they were like, why do you like Michigan? I said, well, you run 200 miles an hour first off. But then you need a car, a totally different car when you get down in those long corners. But you'd start the race out maybe a left side 
side is below the white line on the bottom. And at some point in time, you're going to be scraping the bumper uh, against the wall on the top. And as a driver, I felt like that you could really make a difference in knowing when to make that change and, and having it in you to go up there and, and be inches from the wall. I mean, he was so good at it. It was just incredible. It was so fun. Yeah, before they repaved it, man, you could get right on the fence. And, you know, to, to make that work, a lot of guys can't quite figure it out. So I felt like that was an advantage for me yeah. going to that track and certain other tracks as well. Um, it'll eventually get there again to where, you know, guys are running a little higher in the corners. I went to a test there a couple years ago, and uh, we were running pretty high in three and four. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to be long before that track gets really, really wide and, yeah. and back to its old self. I mean, especially guys like Kyle Larson, when they start to feel like this is my spot, yeah. then I think if I was in the car against them, I would be worried. Every track you win at, you always go there going, hey, I know how to win here, and I'm I feel like every time we go back, we're going to be able to figure out. I know what I need, and I'm able to tell the team now, hey, this is, a win this is what a winning car feels like. Give yeah. me that. And so – um, no matter what track it was, whether it was Texas or Michigan, anytime we went to tracks we won at, you always go there with more confidence. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting this weekend. Ken Larson take this Chevrolet that hasn't been as good. He's been the best in it, but at a very fast racetrack, can he break up these big three that you know? Think if. Truex and Harvick and Kyle Busch were on the playground. They'd be kicking them off now because they don't play well with others. Apparently. Clearly. And clearly so, they yeah. don't. But can Larson get in there and, and mix it up with them? Yeah, it's a question that I don't know. I think that the, the new car, the new Camaro, they're getting better. You yeah. can see there's a little more speed with these guys as we're getting further on into the season. They're not quite where they were last year with the old car. So it's going to be a little tougher for, uh, for guys like Larson or HMS to – to get in there and sneak a win. This is going to be a track where I think, you know, you're going to definitely see Harvick and uh, Kyle and, and Truex, you know, possibly dominate again. When it was 2012 when you broke that winless streak up there, right? And it, when you think back to what, how that changed, the, really the next couple years, it, it seemed like for you, that was this great place of like, oh no no, I'm I'm supposed to be here. I I am I am who I said I was. Like it was a it was a very big moment. I remember when we won in two thousand or actually in two thousand eight, the first win we had with HMS at that track. I was standing in Victor Lane and we hadn't won in so long. And Jimmy Johnson walked in there and I grabbed him. And I said, "Man, I'm a winner again. You know, this is what I I, I know I'm a winner, but you can't say that if you're not in Victor Lane. You know, so what a great feeling to to snap a winless streak. We've seen Clint Boyer do it this year. You know, somebody could get in there and, and, and steal a win from those big three, those top three guys that we mentioned earlier. Um, track position is going to be important. If they can get that track position, we just saw it this past weekend with Martin Trix Jr. at Pocono. Yeah. He didn't look like he was going to be a guy that could win that race. It looked like another race where Harvick was going to dominate, but as soon as Trix got the lead, he, he, he drives away. Mm -hmm. So if, if some of these guys like uh, you know Larson or, or even Jimmy could – Get that track position late in the race; it's going to be hard to pass them, you know. So it's it, it could somebody could still win. Are you are you so ready to be in the booth? Like you guys have been yeah. practicing, <laughs> you've been doing kind of mock races. You you guys will. What's cool is that Dale and the other guys in the booth have been sitting. You watch the race and you basically call it just for you guys. So you can. This is kind of like practice yeah. for for any sort of team. What's that been like for you? That's been good because I've been nervous about going in the booth for the first time and doing it in front of a live audience at Chicago in July. So we've been going to Charlotte. We went to Charlotte. There's some video here of us going to the racetrack. We are in a suite while the race is going on, and we're watching the broadcast and using that feed, and we stand in this booth and basically call the race. And uh, it's allowed me to 
get in that sort of environment and make mistakes, listen to the feedback that I'm getting from my producers and Sam Flood, and my boss, and sort of you know clean up some things and and tie up some loose ends. And fit. so when I go into Chicago, it won't be so unnatural, and it'll feel like, hey, I've been here before. I know what my role is. I know what they expect of me. I know what they like and don't like. And you know, it's still going to be a learning process, and I'm open to, you know, getting better throughout the season. It's going to be fun. What, when you made that jump, what was that like? Do you remember that first race that you started calling from the booth? Yeah. And what, like, what was that change like for you? It's eye-opening because all of a sudden, you're, as you were talking about, you're on the outside looking down on everything happening. Before, when you went to the racetrack, all that you cared about was making the 88 car for both of us go faster. That's all that we cared about. We didn't care what going on with anybody else. Now you have to know everything going on with everybody. And so to have all of this information and then knowing the time to, to put that into place, I think that's the biggest thing. But you'll fall, you'll see. I mean, it's just getting up and do. You tell people what you know because... The majority of people that are listening, I figured this out later, as my dad told me, he said the majority of people that are listening have never been inside a race car. So any information that you can give them about what someone may be feeling or what you're thinking, what you were thinking at a time that you were in this situation, well, that's something that 99% of the people out there watching can't relate to, but they appreciate being able to hear it from somebody that was there at, that, uh, at some point in time. I mean, it was a cool thing to see. Um, to see you in the booth last year in, in that time yeah. that you had, had yeah. taken off, you could really see th that fan side of you that's always been there. It fired way up. And, and I think that's what's neat is that people got to see you sort of fall in love with that side of the sport and say, no, this, this is something I want to do. The thing I always say is I was a fan first before I yeah. be became a race car driver. And I'm just, it's so easy to make this transition back to being a fan. And when we've done these mock broadcasts, I told. I told those guys, Dill Jarrett and Latart and Rick Allen, like, y'all are going to have to tether me to the floor when we get to <laughs> Chicago because I'm just so so excited about this opportunity to be a fan again and be excited about what I'm seeing and trying to tell the fans what you know what that's all about. It's going to be a great experience and I uh, feel like the NBC has given me a, a great opportunity this uh, first half of the year to learn and be ready for that. It's going to be big. Yeah, it is. I told him well, one thing that he has to prepare for because – he did Talladega last year, and, and obviously you got a lot of time. You could make a lot of good points, and, and, and they've only completed one lap. When you go to Bristol and you start trying to make a point, I told them the first time that I really realized that, I, I talked for like 15 laps and yeah. didn't even realize it. it just like they that. Go lick them off. The other, well, uh, the other thing that I found out just as we did the uh, 600 at Charlotte, we did just the first 200 laps, so half of the race, and I was tired. Yeah, I did, I'm like I never I never thought as a driver, you know, watching the broadcast that the broadcasters get tired. Why would they get tired? You mm -hmm. know, just standing up there talking. It's a lot. I got to, I was like wore out because I was so excited at the start of that race. Yeah. And even though we're doing a fake broadcast, I was like so glad to be doing something and working. Um, I literally wore myself out in in those in the first half of that race. So trying to pace yourself, I know that sounds silly to everybody listening at home. But <laughs> no, that's cool, man. Be, yeah. It, I think that shows like you're that excited about yeah. it. So and, pace yeah. yourself for this show, okay? Maybe I, I did start <laughs> drinking coffee over the last year, so that's gonna be good. Oh good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. what we need. We yeah. need you even Tart has plenty of it, so you'll Does be he? good. Yeah. All right. Oh, good. Even Can't more you tell? even <laughs> we, need, we need more caffeine for you. That's exactly what we need. We got lots more Come on today's show. After Sunday's pace car crash in IndyCar, we wondered what are some of the most bizarre moments that we've seen in NASCAR that didn't have to do with the race. We'll also talk about 
The debate that won't go away, should cup drivers be further limited from competing in the Xfinity Series? And as always, we do each Wednesday with Dale Jr. We'll have him answering some of your fan questions. Make sure to send us those questions on Twitter. So if you got one, get it up for us. We're here at the Big Oak Table. Send it our way. NASCAR on NBC using the hashtag Wednesdale. And before we take a quick break, here's a little Wednesdale trivia for you to think about. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has two Cup Series wins at Michigan 2008 and 2012. Who finished second in each of those races? We'll make sure Jr. doesn't use his phone during the commercial break. The answer, oh, let's see if you're right. The answer is coming up. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. This weekend is justified, tries to win the 150th running of the Belmont Stakes and take home the most elusive trophy in all of sports. The race for the Triple Crown Saturday at 4 Eastern on NBC. It's going to be a great, great weekend of racing with the Belmont Stakes. IndyCar Saturday night race at Texas and NASCAR in Michigan. That brings us to today's trivia question. Dale Jr. has a pair of wins at Michigan. Who finished second in those races? Do you guys know? I do. You, are you sure you know? I feel pretty confident it's Casey Kane in 2008 and Tony Stewart in 2012. Ooh. Let's, let's see. Yes, yes, sir. That's correct. Was that because they said way to go in victory lane? How do you remember that? Oh, I don't know. I, I just remember... Casey was following me across the line. We just saw the footage of us crossing the finish line with Casey in second. Mm. You really and, paying attention. Yeah, and, yeah. Tom, and then we saw the footage I, of the car, uh, 2012 car coming to the checkered, and you can see Tony Stewart in the back about six seconds back. Oh, about the uh, yeah, approximate. It's always nice, nice to remember who you whipped. Anyway, you know. <laughs> it's not like you still got that competitive jab. About six seconds <laughs> yeah. approximately yeah. back. Yeah, that's a big deal, man. I just remember them telling me we mm. had a six-second lead many times in the last several laps. Mm. See, you don't forget those that's things. That's a good lead. Little things. At Michigan. That's, that's, a, I'd say that's, that's not whooping. even in the camera shot at Michigan. No way. Yeah. No way. I like that you're paying that much attention to remember those details. This is going to be fun. Now, let's take a little trip. This day in NASCAR history takes us back to Dover exactly 25 years ago. Back then, the Monster Mile was asphalt, and cup races were 500 laps. This race, in particular, featured nine NASCAR Hall of Famers, one of which was involved in a big crash in the late going. Side, rest oh, man. Oh, both and of them. Rusty cracks the wall hard. Keeps it down to the bottom of the racetrack. Oh, and oh, Jimmy Hensley oh. slides into the driver's door of Wallace's car, man. and Jeff Bodine piles in. Rusty Wallace has been released from the infield care center as Mark Martin goes for the lead and gets it. Bernhardt staying down under and goes for the lead again. <laughs> like taking a sweet bone from a bulldog, isn't it? When you take the lead away from Earnhardt, I've never <laughs> seen anybody fight that hard. And Dale Jarrett comes right up into the fray. Yep, Jarrett's right in the middle of this thing. Earnhardt, Jarrett, and Allison. And as they come off turn four, Dale Earnhardt notches his 56th career Winston Cup victory, his third at Dover Downs. Wow, that win was Dale Sr.'s third and final Cup victory at the Monster Mile. Here's another interesting stat from that race. 
It was the first time the Dale Sr. and DJ finished 1-2 since the Dale and Dale show at Daytona earlier that year. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Well, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to the very best. So that was okay there. But I, the only thing I remember about that day, what I, I remember after seeing that, hoping that he and Mark might kind of get to rubbing a little too yeah. hard because I was coming pretty hard then. But we made a huge change in my car uh, in, in the rear springs, uh, stacking rubbers in it because I had been loose and. We actually went the other way. We took time to do that, had to go to the back, and that made a big difference in my car, but couldn't get to the very best. I would love if they repaved over asphalt. Yeah, oh, it. that was so fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that I, race was 500 miles or 24 hours, whichever came first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That right I on. think everybody's okay with, losing that, <laughs> was losing that last 100 miles. Yeah. Coming up, we'll talk about, uh, we've got our social pit stop, guys. Are you ready to make a yeah. social pit yeah. stop? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Now, we know this is one of my favorite parts that we do. <laughs> Who is this gorgeous gal? The pair of pretty ladies. Oh, Wait a second. Is that two babies napping on They me? always say the best, some of the best advice I got was you're supposed to sleep when the baby sleeps. There you go. So that when the baby's up, you're up. So Amy, I was just doing what I was told. I Bless Amy your heart. Somebody had to be awake for this group. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one, man, this made me, I felt like I was cutting onions when I saw this. She is so amazing. The smile on your face here, like I've seen a lot of smiles from you in Victory yeah. Lane. Amy had left the house for about an hour and a half, and me and her laid there that whole time, her own, her just sleeping, and, you know, those are the best times. Those are the, And she's just yeah. making it easy. She ain't upset. She's just... Resting on you is awesome. Let's keep it with the babies. Uh, let's check out this next one. There's little Overton Owens Petty. That's right. Um, our dear friend Kyle Petty, his wife Morgan, welcome there. Brand new baby boy uh, on my daughter Elsie's birthday, which is really cool. Nice. A day after nice. Kyle's birthday. Yeah. So Kyle and Overton can always have some really great blowout birthday parties together. <laughs> the second and third. I, I landed here in Charlotte. I went to go see Overton, and I realized that I was, I'm holding the baby. Uh, in comes the king and Kyle's sister, Rebecca. They haven't met Overton yet. And I was like, oh, uh, my bad, guys. I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> it was a family thing. I was just really excited. It's, it's a great time. I, you know, having three daughters, I kind of forgot. When they are so little, it's this great and terrifying time in your life. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like it, the most confident day you ever had, you're like, yeah, still don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get to, you know you don't get to introduce to your kids much. Say this is your grandfather, the king, you right? <laughs> yeah. And he watching the king play with over the king sat down in the chair and he's like, oh, just moving his arms like he's making a little baby dance. And I just thought like, I don't know if he knows how cool this is. Yeah. I'm like, grandpa wearing a huge hat. I mean, he's just he's the king everywhere he goes. Yeah. You know, he is that guy everywhere he goes. That was it. That was a cool thing. I thought, Dale, why don't you just why don't you just look in the camera? You know, Kyle's had kids before, but being a, a month in it, can you give him just a little advice? Just just tell him what, give him some tips right now. Oh, can we bring in some music? Fade, fade me in a little this music. This is weird. Yeah. It's been uh, only a month, but and it's been a long time since Kyle's been through this, but, um, you know, I don't know, get in there and change some diapers. Try to make it more comfortable for your wife when you get the <laughs> opportunity to. <laughs> I think uh, you saw in the video earlier, sleep when the baby's asleep. I don't know how... Kyle is about sleeping. How does but sleep? Much? He doesn't sleep. Yeah, no. yeah. Because you're going to be up in the middle of the night, whether the baby, whether you want to be or not. That's the one thing that I've learned is that um, when the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, everybody's getting up. So when you get a chance in the middle of the day, and the baby's sleeping, take a nap. <clears throat> hey, great words. Thank you. Hey, I got you a little something. 
It's um, you know, they used to give out gum, cigars yeah. when people would yeah. have kids, but these are bubble gum. I thought this was a much safer path. It's a girl. It's a girl. This is awesome. I like bubble gum. I have a whole box. Kyle used to drink coffee 16 hours a day. I bet he's up to 18 or 20 now, isn't he? I'm telling you, every time we, sleep, we'd be at dinner with him, it's 10 o'clock at yeah. night it's on coffee. a Saturday night. They got a race in the morning. He's like, hey, get me coffee. Yeah. Oh, decaf? No. <laughs> no. I don't even, why, why do you drink decaf? Like, uh, coffee's? No, that's not. Great point. Sort of pointless. Yes. I've got a lot of analogies that aren't appropriate for why, <laughs> but we can't share those kinds of things. Hey, coming up, we'll talk about the ongoing debate on whether NASCAR should further limit participation by cup drivers in the Xfinity series and hear what one NASCAR executive had to say on this issue. That conversation is next. More and more, the fans are speaking very loudly uh, that, that they like the, the rising uh, talent that we have in the series. Um, we do as well, and, and the established veterans that are there. So, you know, that's continuing on, and we'll have to make a decision uh, really, really quickly in terms of what we do for 2019. We took a, a pretty bold step this year, and, and that's something we've got to evaluate and see if we want to go further. So that's, that's Steve O'Donnell. Dale Jarrett, let's start with you. What what do you think? Is there a simple answer to whether we should have these cup drivers in Xfinity? I know it's a big conversation, yeah. but where? how do you sit on it? Uh, it's No, there's no simple answer or solution to it uh, because it's been this way for a long time. And, and so I, I think the balance that we have right now it is pretty decent. You know, the thing that I've said over the years, I think there are advantages, and a lot of the young drivers will tell you, you know, there are things to learn. Sure. But if, if those cup guys are in cup equipment, basically, from cup owners, then that's a huge event. You're not seeing much of them, so you're not learning a whole lot from them because the racing's not as close. You know, when I came up and racing against uh, Dale Sr. and Daryl Waltrip and Terry Labonte, they owned their own cars. They were racing their cars. And I think if you're doing that, things are a lot closer, so there are opportunities to learn. So we did that. We saw when Kyle Busch had his own team. He didn't win a race that year. Yeah. And so there, there are advantages to that. I've said that I don't mind the cup drivers being in there, but make them run their own stuff or it can't be a cup affiliated. So disparity that. is yes. your big that, That's it, my biggest thing. It can't is be with David that. and Goliath every single week. It needs to be yeah. like 40 Davids. But here, here's the other side of <laughs> right? it is, is because of – the sponsorships that are brought in, that, that's giving opportunities for some young drivers to come in too because Joe Gibbs Racing and other organizations can get good sponsorships for those guys to drive, and then that in turn opens the seat uh, at other times sure. because they have the money uh, in the bank to, to do that. It's a harder question, I realize, for you because you are a team owner. Yeah. But what, give, give us a little bit of insight on how you approach this. Yeah, I mean, I, when, when I was a driver, I wanted to run as many races as I could. And so I can understand uh, a cup driver wanting that opportunity to compete and, and, and feeling like he has every right to. As an owner, I, I know when the cup guys are there that it's going to be a little more difficult for us to battle for those wins. That's difficult as an owner. And that also affects how our partners view that race. Mm -hmm. um, what I would like to know and I don't know is how does a regular like Clements, uh, Jeremy Clements feel about it? How does a regular team owner feel about this? Uh, that, those are some guys I think that we need to hear from that we ha really haven't heard much from about this conversation. I would not want NASCAR to exclude cup drivers completely. Yeah. I think that there are races where we need the cup drivers in there, that they should be in there. The big race at Daytona at the first of the year 
Charlotte on Saturday has always been a race where you would see the cup guys compete. Most of, most of the race teams are located in that area. So there are marquee races like, like Indy and so forth where I think you can and should allow the cup guys to compete. I don't know exactly what the right mix is, but I do feel like where we are today is a good balance. And we have seen where a lot of fans are noticing that they do like the races where there sure. are no cup guys. Yeah. We've seen a lot of great response from the fans, good positive response about that. So that's pushing this argument. And, and you're having Steve talk about it right. and comment about it. Now, some people do, they make the point of, how are you going to get better at driving if you don't drive yeah. against the best? Mm -hmm. And we right. know there's there's validity to that. I raced against Martin Martin a lot in 1998 and 1999. I loved being able to go out on the racetrack and practice with him. And, uh, you know, in races, I didn't quite learn that much because I, there's you're, you're really focusing on your car and what you're doing. But, in, mm -hmm. in you know, there's a lot of times when that we're not talking about, like in practice, where I could learn from him. I could watch him run his line and go talk to him after that and say, hey, man, and help, you know, help me out. Um, so I think that there is a good balance that we can find for everybody. But I do not think that they need to cut them out completely. Um, but maybe uh, have marquee events that are particularly chosen each year where the guys, the cup guys, are allowed to run. Instead of saying, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut it back and you guys can only run X amount of races. Why don't we make it more of an invitation where you guys are, we're inviting you for, you know, to run this event, this event, and this event. And this, these are big events that we want you guys to be a part of. It's crazy. Without you saying, I would have never thought about from a sponsor saying, oh, uh, there's going to be four cup drivers. That's, we don't want to spend as much money for that one. But that's a real thing that teams have to face. To be frank, I mean, when the cup guys, are, they're, they're the best drivers you know, in the world, in the world, and and they're in great cars. Yeah, they have the better cars. Yeah, they're in great they're cars. In yeah, we love to think that our cars can compete with with Gibbs, but they're in great drivers and great cars. More than likely, we're going to be battling for second through fifth when Kyle's in the race, and we know that. Yeah. And and our sponsors are recognizing that. It's a little bit difficult, but I it's it. I try to take myself out of the conversation is because of my situation as an owner, but. I would love to hear what some of the regular guys that are racing in this series and trying to make a living in this series, how they feel. If they don't care, then that really affects the argument for me. Um, but I would love for them to have invitation races for, for cup guys to, to make those events big-time events that you could sell to sponsors. And, uh, because I, you know, like you said, Dale Jarrett, I mean, there's, there's races that Kyle runs that allows these other young kids to race. Yeah races i drive i'm going to run a race this year at richmond that allows one of our other cars to have additional sponsorship that's the yeah. reason i run that race mm -hmm. so i get that side of it too i think this is cool i think you know what this makes me feel like i think we should invite a regular and maybe a team owner in here and let's sit and talk to them because really you have yeah. to know like for somebody you're saying that the average team in that sport how do they truly feel we've heard from you know the cup drivers and and we've heard from basically everyone but these regulars that are battling for it doesn't matter to them that they're battling for maybe a possibly a top 10 finish or a top 20 finish sure yeah. you know because that's the difference yeah when when clements goes when jeremy goes to charlotte he's thinking man on a good day i'm going to come out of here with a 15th through 20th right. if i go to you know a race where there's not many cup drivers or none at all I may, you know, top 10 is a big day for me. That's a great, you know, that's a, mm -hmm. and everybody talks about it. When he finishes in 10th or top 10, 
we talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And it change it can change their year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something else that you could look at in those situations to where you have one or two cup drivers, you know, we could even take that money because they're there because of the sponsor. And I know that a, a lot of people may say, well, we would have those sponsors anyway. No, there, there are, are uh, associations that they yeah. have with, with those sponsors. But take the money that you're paying for first through third and distribute that back further. Don't, don't make it as big a payday because that's not really what the owners, where they get their money from it, as far as that. It's that sponsorship dollar that keeps them going. So move that back to where Jeremy Clements and, and these others uh, may get bigger paydays uh, on some of those days to where the cup guys are taking up a few spots. Yeah, As a cup owner, I mean, as a, as a team owner, an Xfinity Series and a driver, I, I need to run this race at Richmond this year. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's important for our company. And if I, could, if I could find packages that would allow me to run more races, we would. And I would want to. So I, I definitely think that there's a tough balance to find, but we're going to find it. I see this, you know, NASCAR's coming with a plan. They've yeah. got to make a decision here shortly on what they're going to do down the road. And I think we're going to see, you know, See some decisions made. I can't wait to see you run that. It's going to be fun. Coming up at 6 Eastern, it's the NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East from Memphis International Raceway, where a steady drive led to a first career victory. Those are always fun to see. And obviously, this conversation can go on a whole lot longer, but stay tuned and find out who broke through. Now, you hang around this sport long enough, and you are going to see some weird things. Up next on Wednesdays with Dale Jr., I look at some of NASCAR's most bizarre moments over the years. The renovation you're about to see is real. You could probably turn the jack around. Yeah. Spin the jack around 180 degrees. You're so bossy. I'm just uh, giving you advice. This is just advice. I'm Dale Hart Jr., and I'm probably best known for racing cars. I'm Amy Earnhardt. I'm Dale's wife, and I'm also an interior designer, which is actually how we met. I'm really digging this. In the last 18 months, we got married. I announced my retirement from racing, and we decided to buy and renovate a 150-year-old vacation home in Key West. Whoa! You okay? This whole room's full of termite wings. There's yeah. a lot of really gross things in the house. This is the slate color that we'll use for the countertop. Love it. Oh, I think they're good, honey. Good job. I just set us back a week. A renovation's gonna be an understatement. Termite doo-doo. Is that what's all over our arms? That was a beat wow. from Renovation Reality's yeah. Dale Jr. and Amy, which I premiered am. this past weekend on DIY Network. Okay, I got to admit, I gave Jr. a lot of flack. Each time I he'd post a picture, I would write him like, hey, that wasn't really you, right? I realized I was wrong. Man, y'all got in there. Yeah. It is amazing the work y'all did on the house. We didn't know any better, so we just jumped right in and thought they needed us doing everything. So we're, we spent probably, we went there every opportunity we had in the back half of 2017. We started in July of 2017. We finished this house in March of this year, and we were there every month, several days in the month, in terrible heat. It was miserable, but... Because um, sometimes you guys would go, you'd leave a track, go down there for four days, right. sweat the entire time, and then yeah, go and back to the back track. And race again. So it's on the DIY channel on every, uh, 9 o'clock on Saturdays. That uh, The first episode aired already. We're going to see episode two this Saturday, and then they got three and four. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff that you'll be surprised uh, You'll be surprised by. The house turned out really great. I can't wait to see the sink. Yeah. 
Looked like that Amy was doing a lot more of the work and he was doing more delegating. Did you well, notice we that knew too? Paper, or did we just happen to pick out the few times let, that happened? Let's just remember that she gets she gets pregnant in every episode because mm. basically they show <laughs> they show start to finish like twenty five percent of the house, so you right. get to see her get pregnant um, and uh, four different times. The <laughs> the um. I don't pregnant, believe you knew that when you shoved her underneath the house. The, not the pregnancy. <laughs> see, the pregnancy doesn't allow her to do a lot of the work in yeah. the back oh. half of the. So she's oh. doing a lot of stuff on the front end. That was what that was about. Well, I didn't think it was that bizarre. She's like, hey, I don't. I want to get under there. I don't mind. Was that harder than when you were a mechanic at Dale Earnhardt Chevrolet? Great question. Well, was working on this working house. Working on this house, yeah. Working at dealership was pretty easy. I'll have to admit. Well, <laughs> yes. Kind of All I had to do is I basically changed oil for four, year, four years. And that was <laughs> good question, yeah. Dale. Hey, also happening over the weekend, this pace car crash before the start of Sunday's IndyCar race in Detroit. Bless its heart, that is a brand new 2019 Corvette ZR1. That's a 750 horsepower car. And GM, I'm going to say bless their hearts too. Their press release said it was weather and track conditions. Guys, I think you've raced when it was sunny and 70 before. <laughs> Mark, who was driving it, Mark was an awesome guy and basically said, look, I've driven tons of stuff there. He essentially just said, it got away from me. That I, I understand. I've, I've screwed up some stuff in the car before. But we realize that's not the most bizarre thing we've seen no, not from pace cars, right? Stretch, no. So I thought, you know what? Let's play a little game. Uh, it's sweeping the nation. That's going to make us think about some of those strange things. It's bizarre moments in NASCAR. I'm going to show you a bizarre moment. You tell me exactly how bizarre it was. You guys remember, this is a pace car stolen at Talladega. Yeah, this guy, and, and they yanked him out of this thing. It was pretty impressive how aggressive they were with him. But he steals the pace car and drives it around the racetrack and then pulls it together. They had this little roadblock. This is uh, before the race. Yes. Right. So were you in this race? No, I, I hadn't hadn't got to okay. the cup series at that yeah, time. So yeah. apparently he had the keys and it, before I guess he drove off, they were doing like a lock unlock. That's right. No, that thing, right? happened. I think that happened when he pulled up. When he pulled up and stopped at the roadblock, they sit there and played that game of chicken with the locks for a few minutes. Because like they, they had the keys yeah. and he'd lock it. They'd unlock it. He'd lock it back. They did that a few times. It's pretty serious. Let's not forget, uh, how about 2012 Daytona 500, which ran late on a Monday night. And you guys remember the Bondo came out on the track. But that wasn't the only thing that was out of the ordinary. You would remember that explosion because poor Juan Pablo Montoya, something broke in that car and off it went. Yeah, I have this car in the race car graveyard. Over you my, do? Over my yeah. property, yeah. So I called Chip after this happened. I said, Chip, um, I know that car is probably not going to get repaired. Can you, can I have it? I'd love to have This would be a cool car to have. And he goes, you can have it, but you can't never have, let anybody take any pictures of it or ever video it. And so huh. I have it back there, but we're not allowed to, to show it. But that what was, was it that made you say, I have to have this piece of history? When, when a car look, it's a, a jet dryer. Look, it says right there. Look. It's a bizarre moment. <laughs> That Maybe was, the most bizarre yeah. that I can remember. Right. I mean, you, we didn't, until we said it, nobody knew what happened because nobody was paying attention no. to this. We had no idea what had taken place. And it, besides the fact that it was midnight or later. And, I know, so late. So, yeah. I remember, that's exactly right. They pulled us around in the back straightaway, and we were getting out of our cars, and, and we're like, what? What's going on down there? That must have been a nasty crash, you know? And nobody had no had an idea that the jet dryer was even part of it. You know, yeah. somebody thought that a couple cars crashed and ruptured a fuel cell. So for the longest time, we didn't even know what had happened and occurred. And then we realized they had to actually do a huge repaving repair job oh, on yeah. the track down there. 
Um, uh, did y'all find out? Because Brad, that was when Brad, Brad was on got his, in phone. Trouble with his phone. Got in trouble <laughs> for <laughs> tweeting <laughs> the pictures. We did, I remember that um, we had a long conversation. All the drivers got together and stood around our cars on the back straightaway and just spent like an hour just shooting the crap a little bit about what was going on. When did you and Brad decide? Dave Blaney was leading the race in Baldwin's car. Oh, that's we, right. Oh, we yeah. were. We were all kind of, was that a rain delay? That was a different Yes, because it was so You're late. rain delay. Yes. And there was yeah. Bondo in turn one. Like, yeah, it was, it was a crazy. The there. Yeah. The hole. But then, at some even... point, you and Brad decided, let's just have a marathon foot race. Oh, yeah. Is this bizarre? Brad started walking to the restroom, and I came up from behind and tacked him on the shoulder and said, I'll race you. We ran behind the wall there, and you see, we sort of get lost. We sort of lose where the Port of John is. <laughs> I gave him the shoulder to beat him into the Port of John, and then I stood in there for about 15 minutes to catch my breath because I just about had a heart attack. <laughs> I would have never made, you know, tried to run this race had I known it was going to hurt so bad. <laughs> it was that, it was that serious. I was pounding. I was so out of shape. Oh my goodness! Uh, we, I think we've ranked these well, you guys. And that's to be honest. That, yeah. Anytime I can watch Brad run, I'm interested. <laughs> you know, like that's you like guys. Get, just, he really is. He's yeah. faster than people think. I can't believe you caught him. Seven-time NASCAR champion Dale Earnhardt was known as the Intimidator, but when Wednesdays with Dale Jr. return, we'll introduce you to the Kid Timidator. That's right. Stay tuned. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. There have probably been plenty of kids who dressed up as the Intimidator, the classic GM Goodrich fire suit, but this might be the best ever. Perfect detail right down to the mustache. I mean, how cool is that? This is Jimmy Blewett's son. James. I'm surprised by the detail. You know, the helmet. Yep. Bubble goggles, you don't, you know, it's hard to find those bubble goggles. Yeah, exactly. I was impressed on that. Are Anybody you wear bubble goggles anymore? No. Not that I know. I can't no. imagine. Okay. Right? Those helmets are kind yeah. of a thing of a, the past. Yeah. I know. I feel like you've searched on eBay. Where do you though. find a kid size Dale Earnhardt replica helmet? I hope he wore that mustache all day. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. Coming up, Dale Jr. will answer those hard-hitting questions from you, the fans. You'll still have time. Just head to Twitter and use the hashtag Wednesdale. I'm enjoying Between Two Dales. After 44 years, the Washington Capitals are just one win away from their first Stanley Cup. Can they close out the Vegas Golden Knights? Coverage begins Thursday here on NBCSN at 6 Eastern, leading up to Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final at 8 Eastern on NBC. This cool guy got to go to a game, and that just happens to be our first fan question for Winsdale. Oh. Let's get into it. Big fans, uh, fans, fans, thank you for sending all these questions. It's awesome. Uh, Tracy asked, what was the biggest thing that surprised you uh, about going to a hockey final game. Well, the, the the coolest thing about it was when so they had thirty thousand people outside the arena in the street celebrating and watching the game on a jumbotron and having, you and Mike Tirico. Yeah, he's had, the man. Had a good time with that. Mike's always good good to work with. But watching when when we were in the arena during the game in the middle of the game when they would show the out the fans outside on the jumbotron the reaction from the fans inside. How excited they, they would start cheering yeah. for all the fans outside. And I know the fans outside didn't know that, but the sense of community that mm -hmm. that created 
really was endearing. Yeah. And uh, so obviously the reaction inside the arena when, when Washington scored any goal was pretty freaking cool. But seeing the fan appreciation and the sense of community wrapped, wrapped around that team was awesome. It's huge. I yeah. mean, let's be honest. You'd have to be a bozo to not know how many NASCAR fans love hockey. So obviously, I, I see how many people <laughs> saw you on there. But what great mean. athletes! I, I, when, the first time I saw a hockey game live, I said I, I never had really taken them. You know, thought about how great they are, but the things they do just yeah. unbelievable. Oh my gosh! Especially you got to hang with Jr. He's one of my favorites. Uh, second fan question, Kimberly. Shout out to you. She said, "Here you go. I can't uh, guarantee they'll still work, though. You did have your I own. Did Look so at I that. Ran, yeah. I think that Sharpie was on the hood of our car at Bristol, and I'm not sure if we won that race." Or not, but in, uh, they ran. They were on the car for a race. We had them on. As a You're awesome, for a Kimberly. Bit. Yeah, thank you. I didn't even. I forgot about that. I know. Catherine said, "Oh my goodness, Dale Jr. started drinking coffee." Now we're gonna have to add that to the chatterbox. Dale list. Hey, how do you take your coffee? Um, I really don't care because I just chug it. You know, I'm only <laughs> in it for the caffeine and the energy, and I really don't care how it comes to me. Just hmm. make sure it's got the got the. Let's give him time, it. guys. He's gonna he's gonna find yeah, his own way. His own, yeah. You know, take it. We'll, well figure that out. Like, uh, like the way, yeah. You will. Michael wanted to know, guys. Uh, Cole Trickle, Rowdy Burns, Ricky Bobby, Cal Naughton Jr., or Stroker Ace for the win in a three-lap shootout at Talladega. That's a that's a deep Stroker field. Stroker Ace wins on his roof. Yeah, I feel per I, usual. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Well, is that with Clyde Torkel's chicken pit on the side? Yes. Yeah. I think in the chicken, the plucked chicken car. Remember that one? He where he blows oh, the wow. motor. Yeah. And the and the, ch and the car's <laughs> painted like a plucked chicken. <laughs> yes. There's no words on it. They're all just the number. Just plucked a chicken. Yep. Oh, guys, great <laughs> questions, fans. I hope y'all enjoyed uh, a Wednesday. We had two Dales here. I had a great time. Enjoyed it. Let's do it. Back. Can we give out some of those cigars later? Yeah, guys, that's going to do plenty. it from us here at the Big Oak Table in Charlotte. Coming up next on NBCSN, it's k and Pro Series Racing from Memphis. NASCAR America is back tomorrow at 5 Eastern as we gear up for what should be a great weekend at Michigan. Have a good night. Everybody get cigars. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.